Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. for the championship run. We have what it takes to win it. I'm as motivated, if not more motivated than ever, to find success. Keselowski's going to win at Talladega. I'm going to be in the championship hunt. There's no question. Kyle Busch is going to win at the Granite State. Kyle Busch wins at Dover. Less than 72 hours from an elimination race at Kansas. Martin Truex Jr. and Brad Keselowski are already into the round of eight. With wins, six spots remain for the other ten drivers. Kyle Larson in the best shape right now. But right there on the cut line sit former champions in Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Busch. Welcome to NASCAR America, everybody. Carol Amano, Kyle Petty, and Mr. Talladega himself. Yeah, he won this past weekend. Listen, Dega's behind us. No offense to you. Congratulations. Your 15 minutes are over. <laughs> now there are five races cruel. left. Yes. I'm sorry, but you know I am cruel. There are five races left right now. Three of them are mile and halves. Yes, uh, which I think bodes well for the Toyotas. I don't see anyone catching the Toyotas as a whole in these last five races. Uh, and they're going to be strong at Phoenix and strong at Martinsville also. Denny Hamlin, guys like that. The Toyotas are the car to beat. Martin Truex is the guy to beat. He's already won five this year on mile-and-a-half racetracks. One more, and he holds the all-time record of mile-and-a-half race winner uh, for a single season. So that is a huge accomplishment. I agree with you that this weekend in Texas – will aid the Toyotas, but I don't agree that Miami being a mile and a half is like any of the other mile and a half we see throughout the year. I think it's just a little bit different. So as we look at the dominance they've had in the mile and a half, I don't think it goes all the way to the Final Four at Miami. I believe if you have a team like the 48 or the 4 of Kem Harvick that finds himself in the Final Four, even though it's a mile and a half and the Toyotas have been best, I think that's a racetrack that's unique enough that they could find something to beat those Toyotas. Yeah, since he won Talladega last week, I'm not going to argue about it. I'm going to give him that's easy. Okay. We're going to let that pitch go by. Listen, as it relates to this weekend, the most alluring storyline by far is the battle between NASCAR's most recent champs, Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Busch. Johnson seven points above the cut line. Busch seven below. A spot in the round of eight is uncertain for both. Green flag back in the air. Kyle Busch out front. Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick running one and two. I got your back here. The white flag will go in the air. One more time around. Through three and four. 30-year-old Kyle Busch. Tonight he earns his first cup title. Kyle Busch, the 2015 NASCAR Cup champion. So cool. Woo! Yeah! Jimmy Johnson out front. 
They've passed the overtime line. White flag in the air. One more time around from Miami. Jimmy Johnson through three and four. Make room. Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. There's another seven-time champ. Jimmy Johnson wins his seventh NASCAR Sprint Cup championship. Kyle Busch started the round of 12, 33 points to the good, and now sits seven points below the cut line. That is a swing of 40 points. The last two races at Charlotte and Talladega have been rough for the 18 team. We had a good shot to run in the top 10, and I threw it away. A lot of damage to the right side of that 18. Toes knocked the out of it. Everything's rubbing. Trying to get too much too early in the race and got myself in the fence and just tore the right side off. You focus on driving that damn thing. I'm just trying to help you so we can go forward. You want to keep going backwards? I'll make sure of that. You have to admire this man for staying in there, but you can see the exhaustion. It just got so hot that it felt like you were going to puke. Why do the playoff drivers fear Talladega? I'm not done wrecking yet. Because of this. It's killed. Hard into the wall, the 41, he'll collect the rest of the field. Try to stay out of it all day, that's what happens here. The best thing to happen today for the playoff drivers is they were all in such big wrecks that nobody really got away from anybody. So how will things play out at Kansas? You can vote on today's poll question. Which is the most likely scenario? Jimmy Johnson advancing to the round of eight. Kyle Busch advancing. Both of them advancing or neither. Log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR vote and weigh in there. If you're an undecided voter, Kyle and Parker have some thoughts. Exactly, Karen. We actually have a little bit of different opinion right now. You mentioned that none of the playoff drivers could get away from each other because they were all involved in the same wreck. Well, two drivers that found themselves smashing the wall together would be Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Kyle Busch, and you and I have a little different opinion of who yes, of these two drivers will actually move into the round of eight. So let's bring up the round of eight here. We have obviously Martin Truex and Brad Keselowski who are going on to the round of eight with their wins in this round. But let's move Kyle Larson in there, right? For argument's sake here, we're just going to say that he is going to advance in the round of eight. True. Kevin Harvick, he'll advance, right? I hope so. Let's see if we can. I, get, I think so. If he can get on our board I will give here, you the fact that there we go. All these guys above 20, plus yeah. 20. I think I, so. I, I think we that. can probably put them in. Denny yeah. Hamlin, Chase Elliott even, right? Yes, we get I would the 24 car here. They've been running really well. He wants to come. He, I know he, he does. He'll get there. He wants to get there. Yeah, he's going to get is. there. There he is. So that leaves two spots, yes. right? And one driver, as we've mentioned earlier, you feel like is definitely going to advance is Kyle Busch. Why? Uh, I still think he's a favorite. I mean, we've talked about it so many times on NASCAR America, so many times um, in pre-race and post-race and watching him him run, he's one of the big three. Truex, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson. And I don't see where these two races have changed anything. The one thing that Kyle Busch brings into Kansas City, even though he's minus seven, the one thing he brings to the race is he brings speed. These guys have had speed all year long. We, we look at his recent history at Kansas City. Yeah, he didn't set the woods on fire when they opened the place up, for sure. But you look That's at the top, it lightly, by yes, the way. But you look at the top fives, you look at the wins over the last few races, uh, then you have to say, okay, this is a place that he likes. I want to go back and say, Jimmy Johnson, since July, since NBC took over the races, um, has led nine laps. 
Morikawa has also led nine laps. 931 laps, okay? 931 laps, people. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He has run up front. He has scored stage points. If we go back to the first race at Kansas City, he scored 16. I think uh, Kyle scored five or um, uh, Jimmy Johnson scored five or ten, whatever. He beat him by more than seven points. We're only talking seven points here. You've got one driver that, in my mind, is still the favorite, Kyle Busch to win the championship and one guy that wasn't really even the favorite last year but won the championship when we got to Homestead. That he did. So I believe it's Martin Truex's job and everybody else's to kick Jimmy Johnson to the curb so they don't have to worry about that threat when they get to Homestead. I won't deny they don't want to see him because I'm going to tell you why. Jimmy Johnson knows how to pass, and that is what has become evident throughout this season. No, they have not had the fastest cars at Hendrick Motorsports. No, they have not qualified well. Actually been sort of abysmal at qualifying as of late. That's why he knows how to pass. Exactly. (laughs) Let me tell you this. He has three wins this year. Two of those wins, he started at the back, right? He passed those that many cars to win the race. He gets in the playoffs. He has the second most green flag passes of any driver in the playoffs right now at Charlotte and at uh, the last mile and a half right yeah. there at Chicago. So when you look at that, that tells me this driver and this team know how to pass. And talking to Chad Knauss and talking to Jimmy Johnson, they have that confidence because they know it's not it's not by chance. It's yeah. by design. They know what to do with these race cars to make them be able to drive the way Jimmy wants to be able to pass. And so the qualifying woes aside, I believe this race team can go to Kansas. And if they even have a bad qualifying, look at that record there. He leads in everything at That's Kansas. Impressive. He's the best there is there at Kansas. That's impressive. On top of the fact that he can pass, that he's been yeah. able to figure out how to make that race car drive the way he wants. Chad knows what to do. And add in one other thing. That team is executing on pit road at an incredible level. Although they've yeah. made the end of the race mistakes, throughout the race, they've been gaining him positions on average throughout every time he comes down pit road. So I think all those things combined, you're looking at a team in the 48 car and Chad, led by Chad Canales that knows what to do to advance. They're a clutch race team. That's why of these two drivers, I believe Jimmy Johnson has a better chance of advancing than Kyle Busch. Okay, now I'm going to give counter. you another counter. We have stage racing now. Jimmy Johnson is phenomenal at passing. Jimmy Johnson is not phenomenal at qualifying so far this year. That's why he leads that statistic because of his poor qualifying efforts so far. So he has been able to pass a lot of people. But I think when we look at it, you've got to look at the guy who doesn't get passed, which is Kyle Busch. (laughs) And that's why he has all those stage points you see there over the regular season and in the playoffs. But when I look at that, I see seven points to the good for Jimmy Johnson right there. And I only see he could gain about five on average on him. So I see a guy that's good by two right there. Yeah, and look, I'll give you that. And and the discussion we're having here is if these guys go into that race and don't have any issues, no mechanical issues. We're just talking head-to-head on the racetrack. And I do see that. I do see these two points. But I do believe that when it comes down to qualifying, Dale Jarrett spoke about it this week. He spoke about it at Talladega, the issues that that Jimmy Johnson has, that that first segment – if Kyle Busch can score a number of points in that first segment, that's where his two points are going to come from that propel him above Jimmy Johnson. And I will just give you that Chad Knauss told me the only thing he doesn't like is that with the new stage racing, he can't use strategy to get there by the yeah. end of stage one. So it comes down to Jimmy Johnson 
being able to pass on the racetrack. So, Carolyn, that's what we know. Basically, he believes he's Kyle Busch is faster. I believe Jimmy Johnson can pass Kyle Busch if given the chance. <laughs> well, for those fans who are on Team Jimmy, uh, Johnson's actually going to join our pre-race show with Krista, Kyle, and DJ on Sunday afternoon from Kansas. That's NASCAR America. It kicks off our coverage at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on NBCSM. The round of 12 has been a massive headache for some of the sport's best drivers. We're going to examine the rest of the playoff field's chances to move forward when we come back. Well, before the race on Sunday, two of England's biggest clubs clashing at Wembley Stadium at 11 Eastern, Liverpool visiting Tottenham, and then on Saturday at 7.30 Eastern, the day before, the defending champs, Chelsea, hosting Watford. So make sure you're with us for our Premier League coverage. Meantime, the playoff leaderboard entering Sunday's elimination race at Kansas Speedway holds a few question marks. Not for Martin Truex Jr. and Brad Keselowski. They know they're moving forward. But as you can see, the first two races of this round have been troublesome for the remainder of the playoff field. You can't have mistakes and expect to win a race. I felt like I had a car to win, and I made a mistake on pit road. Free hill, bud. Oh, my fault. Sorry. The rear tire carrier trips on the air hose. Captain Air Dark, gun break. I want to be great. I'm tired of being good. Ready. Stop, stop. Damn it. Take it off, folks. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. just got caught for speeding. I had all green, never a red. You have to admire this man for staying in there, but you could see the exhaustion. Well, that's great. Jimmy McMurray gets hit. 77 run over him. Hard into the wall. The 41. He'll collect the rest of the field. We well, hit really hard. That hurt. But strong. That's what happens here. Five cars slide, crash, and collide off the end of the back straightaway. We're at it again. Chase Elliott tries to make it three wide, and another big wreck. A really hard thing. All right, so, so far in the show, we have touched on Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Busch and what they're up against. We know that Martin Truex Jr. and Brad Keselowski are safely into the round of eight. Jamie McMurray, Ricky Stenhouse, likely going to need a win. So we basically know their scenario unless something really wild happens. So let's just focus in on that remaining group of six and handicap them. So, Parker, let's start with the position that Kyle Larson finds himself in this weekend. It's great. Nothing to worry about in that 42 car. I think they have speed. They can execute, although, yes, he made mistakes here. I believe that race team is primed in position to go challenge for this championship come Miami. I just believe that Kyle Larson, Chad Johnson, they are really a great package right now. And they just seem to have, no matter where they go, we've looked for weaknesses in this race team. We've looked for chances to say, okay, you know what? They're not going to be good there. They're not going to be able to compete with Martin Truex here but they continually find a way. They have speed. They are, they're bringing speed each week. They don't seem to ever be slowing down. And so I believe this team going into Kansas has to feel very, very upbeat. And also, remember, Kyle Larson's one of those first drivers to get top. And this Kansas yeah. racetrack, as of late, has really been allowing that top lane to come in. So I just think everything's aligning for him to find himself easily into the round of eight and continue to contend for this championship. It's not Kansas, but as far as Kevin Harvick goes, at the beginning of this round of yes. the playoffs, he showed us something that he... He should be considered a title contender. Ultimately, didn't get the win, but where do you see him right now? He shows us he's a champion driver. He's a championship driver. Rodney Childers is a championship crew chief, and that is a championship team. When the playoffs come, they raise their game. And we have heard so much from Brad Keselowski and some of the other Ford drivers uh, in the papers and, and on this show in particular 
that the Fords feel like they're at a little bit of a dis disadvantage. Kevin Harvick picks that car up, puts it on his back, and carries it around the racetrack. He's not winning races, uh, but he has won some segments. He scored some segment points, and this is a team that every time their back is against the wall, every time you get ready to count them out, they do something spectacular and move on, whether it's a championship or to the next round. So I don't see these guys uh, being in, in a major problem right now. Martinsville is part of the part of the chase, or excuse me, part of the playoffs, and so is Phoenix. So those are big opportunities for this team. We had Sirius XM's Pete Pistoni on the show, and the poll question that they ran yesterday for their audience had Kevin Harvick in it. It also had Denny Hamlin in it as drivers that may be underrated or among the group of underrated drivers. Do you feel that way about Denny Hamlin? Well, you just mentioned Martinsville, and I'm sure the 11 team has <laughs> Martinsville circled right now. That's all season. We know how good he's at short tracks, how good he is at Martinsville. And I think, yes, this team has been a little bit under the radar. They're not doing what we've seen out of the 18 or the 78 in the Toyota camp, which is go up there and dominate the stages and just lead tons of laps. But they seem to just be hanging around the top five. They are a solid top five car. And that's what you need to do. In these first couple rounds, you want to be that top five yeah. car. But as we enter the round of eight, which I believe this team will find themselves entering the round of eight through Kansas, that's when they need to win. And so they're looking at Martinsville to say, we need to win because you want to get yourself onto Miami by winning because that means you have the momentum. This race team is showing they have the speed and it just allows you to go in that last race at Phoenix, not worrying about too yeah. much other than building up your strategy for how you are going to win this championship come Miami. I believe this team can do that and they are definitely under the radar. Yeah. We can feel how badly Chase Elliott wants his first <laughs> Cup Series win. Yes. Playoffs aside, we have seen him be right on the doorstep in these playoffs. What do you see for him moving forward? I see him winning lots of races in his career and championships in his career. And, and, and Parker and I were talking about it earlier today. Uh, if we go back, I know that very first victory or that very first second place in, in, in the playoffs was encumbered. But going into Talladega, he had three second place finishes, had that one single bad race, but three second place finishes. And if Talladega had played out, he was either going to be in victory lane or in the top two or three. When you look at that, he has had the most solid playoffs of any driver out there. We keep talking about the big three, Larson, Bush, and Truex. This guy is a sleeper, but he's my number four. If I'm going to say my big four in that championship round, when we get to to finally get to Homestead, he's the guy that's the sleeper to get there. You, just, are, you are putting Chase Elliott yes. at Homestead. Yes, I am. And I have to say, and I had him out in the first round. And I did too. He has been the biggest surprise. <laughs> yes. That 24 team has been incredible yes. through the playoffs. And I think, you know, one thing I've noticed out of that team, just speaking to Alan Gustin, speaking to Chase, is it's almost like they want that first win more than they care about the playoffs. Yeah. And because of that, they're so focused on the win. They're so focused yeah. on the performance at hand each weekend that it's allowing them to have these great runs and, and not be so caught up in the playoff stuff and things that come around the playoffs. So I just believe this team has been a big surprise, and they're surprising everyone. Yeah, so great. You see that as a positive, that yes, they are yeah. hyper-focused on the first career win. Yes, I do. Uh, the last two drivers, Ryan Blaney and Matt Kenseth, I was surprised to learn that actually if you look at their performance over the course of this season, they have outperformed both Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Busch on the mile and a half. These are two drivers that have shown flashes of brilliance on the mile and a half. Ryan Blaney... What say you? I think this team has overachieved. And I'm just going to go out on a limb to say this team has surprised me. This is a young race team. It's a young driver who's going on to a new situation next year. I just believe that, you know, this is a group that has a lot of inexperience throughout. Now, not their ownership, but I'm just yeah. talking about no, the no. core, yeah, the group within there, the crew chief, Jerry Bowens. They have surprised me to get this far. 
Uh, if I were to see a team that could falter here at Kansas and therefore allow Jimmy Johnson yeah. and Kyle Busch to take advantage of him and go on and then not go on the round of eight, it's this 21 team. I just believe they're overachieving already. They've done a great job. They can pat themselves on the back for what they've yeah. done. But I just feel like if there's a team that I could see making a mistake, it would be that inexperience that allows them to make a mistake. If you were to ask me a couple of weeks ago, I would have said that Matt Kenseth had a better shot yeah. at advancing further into the playoffs than Chase Elliott before we saw all the speed and the second place finishes. For whatever reason, I just felt like the 20 car with the Toyota connection deserved to be, you know, yes. there. I, I think we all did. And, and I'm going to go 180 degrees from where he sees – Blaney, that's where I see Kenseth. Here's a team that underachieves. Here's a team that should be better than where they're at. And and I look at Blaney's team and, and just as, as, as Parker does and say, can they keep up this overachievement? Can they keep up this pace? I'm not sure they can. I also look at, at Matt Kenseth and say, can they continue to just falter like they do and not achieve the goals that they set for themselves, not achieve what their teammates have? Uh, I see that ending pretty soon, and him advancing on and moving on. I think he's going to have a great Kansas. All right, now that we have handicapped the field moving forward, we are going to take a little bit of a sneak peek to one of your recent trips to Mexico. Kyle and Rutledge Wood hanging out with one of NASCAR's emerging superstars. Daniel Suarez is next on NASCAR America. As we continue to look back at some of the top moments this year from the drivers in the Coca-Cola racing family, this weekend we're excited to share with you that Denny Hamlin is wearing the helmet cam, which gives fans the best experience, the closest they can to getting behind the wheel. This is the second time that Hamlin's worn the helmet cam. He did so at Michigan back in August. And one of Hamlin's Coca-Cola family members also happens to be a teammate at Joe Gibbs Racing. That is Daniel Suarez. And following his Xfinity Series championship, he was tasked with stepping into Carl Edwards' car in the Cup Series. And he has not disappointed 12 top 10s this season for Suarez. And this Sunday night after the race, make sure you stay here for the latest episode of Racing Roots. Kyle and Rutledge Wood traveled to his hometown of Monterey, Mexico, to learn a little bit more about Suarez's journey to the Cup Series. How old were you when you started racing here? When I started racing, like for real, 11. How different does this place look now? The racetrack is exactly the same. The racetrack hasn't changed, I think. When you came here for the first time, was it like, I'm going to be a race car driver, or was it just fun? The very first time, it was just for fun. I didn't have any idea about racing. Uh, that was something new for me and new for, for my family. So uh, I didn't have any, any goals to be a race car driver because for me, that wasn't an option. So being 14 or 15 in Monterey, Mexico, and you're thinking, I can do this. I'm going to do this but there was no set plan. Well, I, I do remember one thing. When I was maybe 16 years old, my dad and I, we had a lot of conversations about what you just mentioned. I had my dad say this to me a lot of times. He said, hey, you know what? Somebody has to start this. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody has to start the path. This morning, we stood at the top of that mountain yeah. with that flag. You remember what that sign said? No, I can't read it. The sign said here, the impossible is possible. Oh, that's cool. That's what you did. That's what you did. This is huge. You took something that couldn't be done, and you've done it, and this is only the beginning. Daniel, ever since you decided to come to NASCAR, you've been making milestones, but you've also been making milestones for NASCAR. We're very honored to have you as our champion. I know you took that trip a little while ago, yes. and you fell in love with Daniel Suarez yes. in the process, truly. Yeah. What a great young man. 
and I, I don't know any other way to put it, his enthusiasm for the sport, his enthusiasm as a driver is infectious. I, I will say that. But here's what was really cool. Um, we followed him around for two or three days. Uh, here we are going into his house. This is where he grew up, the home he lived in. This is some of the, the things that he showed us. But the way the fans interacted with him on the streets of Monterey, Mexico, and the restaurants we went to, uh, and the places we went, it's like he is a national hero. He is a national treasure. People in Mexico see Daniel Suarez and say, oh, my God, this kid from Monterey, Mexico, makes it to America, makes it to the U.S., makes it to NASCAR, and there he is at Daytona. There he is. Uh, in Sonoma, California. There he is at Watkins Glen, New York, at Indianapolis, and we're watching him on TV. So I think it's opened the eyes to a lot of fans in Mexico, but for a lot of kids, a lot of kids, boys and girls alike, see that he's blazed a trail and it's something that they can do. He had huge shoes to fill for Carl Edwards in the oh, Cup yeah. Series this season, and we talked about the rookie battle all season long and what we were seeing from him and Eric Jones. I've just been so impressed with his composure yeah. and also his results all the t top tens this year he was leading the pack at Talladega yes. at one point and he's done it so quietly so unassumingly uh, kind of like Carl did stuff mm -hmm. Carl just kind of come in and got the job done but here's the deal we talk about and and I think we look at it as sports fans and as NASCAR fans and say huge shoes to fill over there at Gibbs Racing he, he's not filling any shoes he created a totally different path. He came a totally different way. And he doesn't care about Carl Edwards. He respects Carl Edwards. He respects what Joe Gibbs Racing is. But he's Daniel Suarez. He is the first Mexican driver to come and drive in NASCAR and to compete and to win championships. He has blazed a trail. There are nobody, there's nobody following him right now. There's a, well, I take that back. There's a couple of guys that are coming along that he's helping and that he's mentoring and nurturing. But when you look at it, the Carl thing is small on a scale of who Daniel Suarez is and what he's accomplished. So you can watch Racing Roots uh, after all of our coverage on Sunday. Rutledge Wood is in there, too. How is he as a travel companion? Is he full-on face mask and the neck pillow on the airline? Full-on face mask, neck pillow, all this Doesn't stuff. Doesn't want to be Wait, spoken yeah, to. Yeah, have to pamper him. And let me yeah. tell you, who goes to Monterey, Mexico, and wants to eat a P.F. Chang's? Not me, but he did. I don't understand that, but okay. that was his deal. All right, and that is how you sell a show right there. You mentioned that Daniel Suarez, in all seriousness, is a national treasure there, and that really is because Mexico has a very deep yes. racing culture. They love it. He's an icon. Formula One, very popular there as well. In fact, the series is going to be in Mexico City two weeks from now. Earlier this month, though, Lewis Hamilton led the final 26 laps at Suzuka to earn his eighth victory of the season. Combined with the early race exit of Sebastian Vettel, Hamilton was able to extend his lead in the Formula One standings to a commanding 59 points with only four races left on the schedule. So Hamilton has the opportunity now to secure his fourth world championship Sunday at the Circuit of the Americas, and that's in Austin, Texas. That's the site of the United States Grand Prix. But first, Parker Kligerman, dream come true, trying his hand on this 20-turn gem of a road course in the simulator. Parker. That's right, Carolyn. Here we are coming up to that final 20th corner to start a lap like many of the drivers will do in qualifying. Here we come on this front straightaway of this 3.4-mile, 20-turn course at the Cirque of the Americas in a full-one car. This is like a dream come true for me. Kyle, I, I wish he was over here because he could be my co-driver, maybe like a rally car. You don't want to lock the brakes up into this uphill braking zone into turn one, and then we enter some of the fastest corners on the track. Flat out here through turn two. Oh, it gets real loose there into the S's. This is what... 
David Hobbs determine next stretcher. You're going to find out how many G-forces these full one cars can pull through this set of S's. Then we come into another high speed section here. Just a quick downshift and back up through the gears. And then one more downshift here before we're going to plunge down towards turn 11. And that's going to set us onto a massive straightaway. As we come down this elevation change here, the car gets very light. And then it's hard on the brakes into turn 11. Ooh, try not to lock them up like I just did. That's not good. Lewis Hamilton won't do that. And now we're on to the long back straightaway. This is where the DRS zone is. Where you're gonna be able to, if you're within one second, use that DRS to try and pass the cars in front of you. You'll get to about 200 miles an hour as we head into turn 12. And you're hard on the brakes once again in these full one cars, pulling up the five Gs in the braking zone. And now into the slow, tight, and technical sections of this racetrack. Really technical, double apex right-hander right here. Then you shoot into a double apex left-hander where you have to brake and turn the car at the same time. This is where it gets very technical for a NASCAR driver like myself. And now into the triple apex corner. Following here as you're going up, getting a little loose, that's why I can't even speak. And now you're back down towards turn 19. Another very fast left-hander, fourth gear, and now approaching turn 20 again. So we're gonna end the lap here at Coda. It's an incredibly hard lap. It holds a lot of Gs. It puts a lot of stress on the drivers. And I'd say most will want to do it a little bit better than that, Carolyn. I think Lewis has a little bit more experience. And if he's able to do a little better than that, he might go and get that championship at the Surf Americas. I was going to say, that's the squeakiest we've ever heard the simulator. <laughs> You're really working hard over there. Yeah. <laughs> well done, well done. Uh, don't forget, by the way, our coverage of the United States Grand Prix is on NBC this Sunday. It starts at 2 p.m. Eastern. Still to come here on NASCAR America, Daniel Hemrick is heading to Kansas as the next round of the Xfinity Series playoffs is set to begin. But first, he had to make a pit stop to test a cup car on Charlotte's new road course. How did he land such a gig? We're going to ask him. He'll join us next. Welcome back, everybody. So the NASCAR playoffs continuing this weekend at Kansas. The Xfinity Series races on Saturday at 3 Eastern over on NBC. And then Sunday, an elimination race in the Cup Series. The field for the round of eight is going to be set. That one is at 3 Eastern right here on NBCSM. We hope you're with us. Two weeks ago at Charlotte, the Xfinity Series field was narrowed down to eight. The contenders ranging from 19-year-old William Byron to 42-year-old Elliot Sadler. Everybody that you, you look at, you say, man, they're all dangerous. One mistake, one bad pit stop, get into the fence one time and, and you're gone. When the pressure's on, it's a matter who rises up and, and takes care of the moment to put in. One race, one event can determine the rest of your year. a week off the Xfinity Series playoffs continuing this Saturday of course one of the eight drivers remaining in the race for the championship 26 year old Daniel Hemrick of Richard Childress Racing a win this Saturday at Kansas guarantees him a trip to the championship four at Miami next month and he is kind enough to join us on the phone Daniel want to start with your past week your off week so you're planning on enjoying a nice vacation <laughs> in Mexico with your wife Kenzie before you know back to business at Kansas Tell us about the call that you received uh, to come back to North Carolina instead. Yeah, I was going to say what off week is kind of the way it <laughs> turned out. But no, it was uh, definitely definitely not expecting the phone call I got. We had just touched down in Mexico, like I said, to celebrate my wife's birthday. Down there to do something uncharacteristic, just go out on a limb and go on vacation. And as soon as we 
landed in Mexico, turned my phone on, and uh, I got a phone call from Sammy Johns at RCR and said, hey, what's the chances uh, you'd want to test a cup car on Tuesday at uh, the infield road course at Charlotte on the Roval? I said, well, when do I need to leave? <laughs> Let me know when I got to be there. So it was uh, unexpected, but uh, I'm glad it all worked out. And my wife being a racer and understanding, she was as excited as I was. So it was good to be able to to do it. I just got to take her back on vacation another time here soon. <laughs> hey, Daniel, it's Parker. Uh, just adding on to this whole road course testing in a cup car, you know, coming this season, I don't think I thought of you as much of a road racer, but in the Xfinity Series, you've had some great runs on the road courses. Did you ever feel like your first chance in a cup car was going to come at a road course? Do you think that was part of their decision? Uh, honestly, Parker, and I'm, I'm with you, man. I didn't think I was uh, much of a road racer myself, and luckily had some had some success on the extreme side this year. There, and, um, you know, for whatever for whatever reason, you know, they picked me to to give me the call and give me the shot at it. So a, a lot of variables, probably not your ideal situation to get thrown into. Uh, you know, road course nobody's been on, trying to figure out the configuration. Um, a, a lot of stuff is my first Goodyear tire test. Oh yeah, and the first time in a Cup car. So all that stuff kind of uh, going on at one time. But heck, it's it's what you live for is that moment. And uh, so I was pumped to finally get in one for the first time and, and try to, you know, get acclimated with the cup cars and, and, and what, um, you know, that car is all about. I had a lot of fun with it. What was it like for you, just real quick, to get in the cup car? I mean, did it meet your expectations? I just feel like as a young driver, you guys probably wait your whole entire life to get behind the wheel of one of these things. I mean, did it meet the hype for you? Oh, gosh. Hey, you know, we're talking about it so just – you know, even kill, but yeah, that's, you build your whole life for that moment. They get the opportunity to sit down to one of those cars. And I really just try to take it in, you know, the first run or two, definitely getting used to, you know, there's a big jump from the extended car to, to the cup car on the power side of things. And we were doing it and it was 40 degrees the first morning uh, on a really hard tires. So you're sitting there like, there's no way you can ever hook these rear tires up. That was probably the biggest thing to get used to. Uh, but as a test went and we got on a little, little different tire and all that stuff, uh, became a lot more comfortable really quick. So, um, and all, on top of all that, you know, I had, you know, some past champions in, in, in Kurt Busch and uh, McMurray and, and Truex, guys that are, you know, really successful in our sport. So it was good to be able to lean on them and, uh, you know, throughout the process and um, really just just try to enjoy the moment. You never know if it's your first time, if it's your last time in one, just try to live in that moment, uh, enjoy it the whole time. I, I want to go back to the Xfinity Series. Um, you guys have, have stepped it up in the playoffs. You've got the second-best average finish in the races that we've run so far. Um, and, and, you know, we talk all the time about junior motorsports, but here you guys are at RCR sliding in there and in contention. What has been the big difference from the regular season to the playoffs for you guys to step up to that level? Uh, I really feel like it's uh, preparation. Uh, I feel like once we – kind of felt comfortable there near the end of the regular season that we knew we could be a little bit more aggressive on everything and that really allowed us to, to push our limits as far as our program and, and find out where not only our strong suits were but where where are our weak points and I think we were, had enough of a cushion at the end of the regular season to do that and push those limits so um, by the time the playoffs started Kyle we really just just felt confident where we were at the, the direction that we were going as a race team the direction I felt like I, I had been to and grown to as a driver throughout the last two to three months in the Xfinity series and um, just able to put all that together and, uh, you know, have more efficient practices, use that time to make sure your car is going to be better in the race. And um, everybody, RCR and ECR, everybody on our entire complex, heck, we're 530 plus employees strong. So everybody's been putting in their time and um, just trying to make sure I, I do my part. Just uh, know that everybody's got to do their part. And I feel like we've done a good job of that here at the start of the playoffs.
Daniel, Kyle kind of brought up a good point, which is that Junior Motorsports has kind of been the best team this season in the Xfinity Series through and through, having three cars that are most likely going to find themselves competing for a championship. What is it going to take for this 21 team to beat them? Where do you feel like you guys need to improve if you're going to go to Miami and be able to beat those Junior Motorsports cars? Uh, really, Parker, I feel like the outline changes a little bit each each and every week for our group especially. Um, you know, we're kind of battling through some adversity with, um, you know, with teams and, and switching around and all kinds of stuff that's been going on, but I really feel like it's made our group stronger. Um, and like I said, every week you got to have your goals. you got to know what you have to do. And for us, throughout the first round, it was all about kind of staying within that window to make sure that, you know, we didn't cut our own heads off, so to say, you know, make sure that we stayed – Within that window, to uh, make sure that we we did week in and week out what we what we did to get to the, this point, and know that we had to do that throughout the first round, and, and that's what we did. That's how we had success. But that's not going to get you the homestead. You got to ramp up every every uh, bit of of your company and your organization to the next level to, to compete. Because you're right, there's no way to hide it. The Junior Motorsports cars have been the fastest company week in and week out as far as Xfinity Series regulars. And uh, we know we still have another level to, to, you know, take that step in order to really contend. So we're going to continue to build towards that. Um, obviously, next round starts this weekend at Kansas. And um, having the off weekend, uh, I was at the shop today, and those guys have really, really built a really nice race car for Kansas. So I'm looking forward to seeing if we can take that step this weekend to make sure we can uh, continue our quest to go to Homestead. We wish you the best of luck there, and we're going to go ahead and let you go so that you can get busy booking that birthday vacation yes. for your wife, okay? <laughs> Make sure you take her someplace special. <laughs> thank Absolutely. you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Have a great man. weekend. All right. Thank you. I'll me <laughs> All right. Parker is uh, going to get back in the simulator. We're heading, whoa, we're whoa. heading right Parker's back. Tough. We're heading right back. Uh, this time, though, he's going to race the Kansas Speedway. He won't be alone. We're also going to send Kyle along for the ride. You asked for him. So we're sending them. I need them in there. We're sending them. Buckle up. Buckle up. That's next. All right, everybody. Time to reveal this week's nominees for the Pit Crew All-Stars. And we're going to begin with Dylan Dowell, who is currently a front tire carrier on the Team Penske number 22 Ford for Joey Logano. This native of Kansas worked on tractor tires and ran a service truck in his home state before embarking on a career in NASCAR. Up next, we have Kevin Harris. That is the front tire carrier for the Joe Gibbs Racing number 18 Toyota, driven by Kyle Busch. And prior to his NASCAR career, Harris was a standout. He was a running back for Wake Forest. In addition to his pit road duties, he also doubles as a liaison to JGR sponsors. And lastly, we have Graham Stoddard, front tire carrier at Levine Family Racing, a native of Charlotte. He moved to Lincoln, Nebraska, and eventually played linebacker for the Cornhuskers. And after a brief career in finance, Stoddard decided to take part in a pit crew combine, and the rest is history. So once again, our nominees this week are Dylan Dowell, Kevin Harris, and Graham Stoddard. And in November, we are going to reveal the 2017 pit crew all-star team during championship weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. All right, time now to head back over to the iRacing Simulator where Kyle Petty is going to play the role of backseat driver and Parker is going to show us the challenges of navigating Kansas. Fellas. Right, Caroline. Actually, I'm going to call him co-driver. Right, Kyle? That's what you kind of are here? I'm just a kid in the backseat ready to stop at a drive-thru window. Perfect. Man. Yeah, you just can ask when we Please. get there the whole time. Yeah. Are we there yet? Are we, are we there yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what we are doing? We're about to take a restart here at Kansas. And actually, these are where it can get pretty crazy at Kansas because you have this big open space down the left. 
called the apron and that becomes usual racetrack once we get the green flag and come back around and that's when you see these drivers go all over the racetrack. Oh, I just shifted the third too early. That's not good. Don't do that if you're having a restart, right? <laughs> yeah, where were no, you on no, that? No, there they are driving around you on the outside. I know, we didn't do this well at all. What you're gonna wanna do at Kansas is find a little bit of grip here. This is a variable banking racetrack, so you will see the grooves open up. And on the restart, it is sort of undecided which lane is the best, but a lot of times you can find yourself making headway on the top. But as we come down to turn three here, this is where you start to see these drivers going all over the place. This racetrack on a restart, you're gonna find yourself a lot of times if you're mid-pack we are, looking for clear racetrack and to get away from the side draft. You're gonna be down here on the apron trying to get away from the side draft and then shoot back up the racetrack. That is what makes this place so crazy on the restarts and then get it slowed down again down in the corners, Kyle. Okay, when you came off of turn four and you made that cut down, we saw the car take a pretty hard set as it leveled out and then take a pretty hard set back up. How much does that disrupt the race car? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, you find yourself a lot of times getting used to it. It can be the first time you do it. The first time you get down there and you slam down on the apron, that can really upset the race car. And then as you come back up, you're just hoping that most of all, you've heard from your spotter, you're clear, and you can rejoin the racetrack how you want to. Now I'm gonna go up to the high lane. This is the lane that's coming in, as I said. This track is starting to wear out. It's starting to allow you to move on that variable banking. And we'll see drivers, as they get later in the run, get up there, namely Kyle Larson, right? He loves running up top. But we've seen other drivers do it. Kevin Harvick has run up here at the top and made headway. And that's what's cool about this racetrack. When you get up top here and get in the throttle, you are in the throttle, Kyle, so much. And that's just fun. I love that. Yeah, and this appears to be a momentum track. Uh, as we get into the corners and you run this high groove, you let off a little bit early, you go back to the gas pretty hard, trying to make a longer straightaway out of it. Where are the tough parts of this track for you? As a driver, we, we'll see these guys, and we talk about some places where, okay, getting off four, getting off two, maybe a tough place. Is, is getting into three because of the run you get off a of turn two, is that a tough place? You just called it into three. A lot of times these race cars, especially if you're trying to run the bottom, can get you very loose into turn three. And that's just something you have to deal with at this racetrack is being loose into turn three because you've got to have that to allow the car to turn at other portions of the racetrack and especially as you go through one and two, which is a lot bigger. And Carolyn, what we're seeing here and doing around the top, if a driver finds the speed we're finding right now as two drivers, I think they might find themselves getting the victory lane as one driver. All right, this may be a model that we need to explore. Parker, thank you very much. We come back, we are going to pay off our poll question and also ask Kylan Parker who's going to win at Kansas for getting picks when we come back. Our coverage from Kansas starts tomorrow with Monster Energy Series practice at 12.45 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. And then on Saturday, the Xfinity Series playoffs continuing at 3 on NBC. Sunday, the elimination race in the round of 12. Our pre-race coverage begins at 1 p.m. Eastern. NASCAR America right here on NBCSN and the race to follow. So a few NASCAR podcast reminders. Monday morning donuts, Talladega style. Woo! We're bringing it to you with Parker and I. And also on the latest NASCAR on NBC podcast with Nate Ryan, he recently sat down with Kurt Busch's crew chief, Tony Gibson, whose future on the pit box is actually uncertain right now. I don't mind. I'll be the guy that crawls under here and works. I don't have to be the guy that's on TV and being seen. I, I just love working on race cars. Uh, you know, let me do the grunt work. I'll still do it today. But I still want to be a part of it, and I want to 
you know, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to be a part of racing, and I just want to slow down the pace of it. Is it looking like 2017 will probably be your your last season? I don't know. You yeah. know, it just depends on what transpires. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll do uh, whatever, they, whatever need. they need me to do. You know, so I'm sure they're trying to figure out what they're doing driver lineup and they got a lot of stuff on their plate right now going on anyway and so at the end of the day i'll sit down and if it's january and they say hey man we need you to do another year then i'll do it another year Mm -hmm. you know if they say hey man we got this other guy coming in and maybe you go to 10 races and help him or we need you to do all four teams kind of help guys out i'll do whatever they need me to do here because they've been so good to me and i've been fortunate like i told you before the sport owes me nothing but hopefully they'll keep me around and uh you know, I can be an asset to the company and uh, maybe help a young crew chief come in and take some of the load off of him, let him focus on what he needs to and let me focus on the cars and making sure stuff doesn't fall off. Tony's Daytona 500 win was by far and away one of my favorite moments from yeah. the season. Nate Ryan's podcast, a must listen. Ours, eh, not so yeah. much. <laughs> Definitely check out Nate. It is. It is. Um, Come on, listen. All right. Let's pay off our poll question because we promised the people we would pay off the poll. So what is the most likely scenario for the weekend? Jimmy Johnson advancing into the round of eight. Kyle Busch advancing into the round of eight. Both of them getting there. Neither of them getting there. So apparently you were more convinced. 43%. Yeah. Kyle Busch advances. Well done. Sir. Thank you, people. Thank you. So, yeah. So this is the scenario that you think is likely going to play out? I I think so. Uh, Obviously. I mean, I I, I do believe that Kyle Busch continues to put up the numbers. He has the speed. He's going to a place that he has a pretty decent history at, and that's all he has to do is make up seven points on this driver right here. Who do you guys think is going to win this race? Parker? Well, the guy that's already swayed public opinion seems to be the (laughs) know-it-all. What do you have? Okay, I'm going with uh, three M's here. Not M&M's. Three M's. Um... I can't remember what they are now. So, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yes, no, I'm not Do kidding. Do you have anybody okay, that mine. could win my, this race? Here's my, here's my, Matt Kenseth wins. Matt Kenseth wins. Why we? Matt's march to Miami. That's my three ends. I knew I'd remember. Matt Kenseth wins. Wasn't even that good. Wasn't. I'm gonna uh, okay. Three ends. Matt oh, march sure. Miami. Matt I'm gonna go with a young driver who has had an excellent playoffs and I think is continuing to excel, and that would be Chase Elliott. Gets his first win. That's a good one. Okay. Matt Kenseth. I went blank. I went blank. marches Man, to Miami. It's that podcast. It just blew, and you think, threw and me And you think off. it's finally coming for Chase Elliott? I do. Well, thanks so much for being yeah. here. It was a pleasure working with donuts. you today. That's all for NASCAR America. Thank goodness. But we will see you tomorrow at 1245 Eastern for cup practice at Kansas. And we have a big weekend planned for you. So we'll see you again over the weekend. Have a great night. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.